It's time for the Plank Show with Josh Helmer and Sooner sideline reporter Chris Plank. Let's go, let's go, let's go on a Monday. Happy President's Day. It is the Plank Show. I, I am trying to start the movement. And I don't know if I have anyone that's on board with me or if I am alone shouting to a group of constituents that could not care less. But I say President's Day should be moved from February 20th to the first Monday after the Super Bowl. Give everybody that Monday off. Thus, By the way... The way that the NFL season is going, eventually they won't have to move it because the Super Bowl will likely be played on that third weekend in February. So by the time we finally get around to the Super Bowl, we'll be like, oh, President's Day is a Monday, so everyone will be off anyway. But for those of you who – I mean, listen, when I, I want to make this very clear. I love my kids. When I say I'm stuck with my kids, I mean it in a loving way. But I am in our – Goldsby, Washington studios today because, Josh Helmer, I'm stuck with my kids. And when you have a 14 and a 9-year-old, soon to be 9-year-old, that fight over everything, I'm ready for uh, World War III. I'm ready for a little battle here in the Plank household today. Let's go. Happy President's Day. Welcome into the Plank Show. Good morning, Josh Helmer. How was your weekend? It was terrific. A very happy President's Day to you. So you're getting ready for a battle. Is everything okay? No. They're nine and, well, soon to be nine. Again, she's eight. She turns nine in a couple of weeks. They fight over everything, Josh. Did you fight with your brothers a lot? Not a lot, but we definitely fought. I, I know I fought with my sister. But, and again, you know, my, my, my sister and I went through some S, right? We, we went through a divorce when we were very young of our parents. And, well, then there was the inevitable custody battle that I'm sure therapy would help me get through. But I digress, Josh. My girls have had a loving home. You know, they, they have a two-parent two home where they get everything they could possibly want. I mean, it, when, when people make fun of me, it's like, oh, heard you doing a show till 1 a.m. I'm like, yeah, I have a freaking horse, okay, <laughs> that I have to pay for because my 14-year-old wanted to do barrel racing. And now she's into golf, so I've got to pay for golf, which I'm fine with because I actually know, you know, love golf. But, I mean, it's just, yeah. So they get, I don't know what the deal is, but they fight over everything, dude. Everything. If it's um, who's walking in front. It's a fight. If it's who's pushing the cart, it's a fight. If it's who talks over the other one when they're telling a story, it's a fight. Dude, this is my day. And, and again, because uh, this is the second week of the softball season and, you know, I want time with them, I have told the, uh, the wife, hey, you take the day. I'm going to take the girls. I think I made a horrific mistake here, Josh. We'll see if the fights start before the end of this show. Uh, but did you have a good weekend? Are you still on a Super Bowl high from last Sunday? I don't know how you couldn't be. Well, definitely am still on the Super Bowl high, though several uh, Sooner Sports outcomes maybe dampened it a little bit. Mm. Did you see the stat that was making the rounds last night about Oklahoma versus Texas in the 22-23 athletic year? No, but I'm trying to think when Oklahoma would have beaten Texas. It is not. That it sounds not. right. It is not. And and I was 
who's who's the uh what's it kyle mamaula or however you say his name on twitter that's always kyle throwing. umlong umlong yeah that's what it is he's the one that had the stat and it was uh quite depressing but i will share it with you now knowing that on saturday the ou women's basketball team is going to go out and end this ridiculous streak and oh yeah by the way we're inching towards OU and Texas in baseball and softball, so we'll get ours. But here's the, here's the gross details. Two losses in volleyball, college football loss, a loss in women's soccer, now two losses in men's hoops, a loss in women's tennis. I guess we play rugby, and we lost. And, of course, the loss in the Moody Center for women's basketball. Boys, ladies, people of – all races and ethnicity, uh, genders and ethnicity. We got to stop this. We've got to come together as one. We, Jenny Baranchek, the Sooner Nation needs you. We need a dub this Saturday. Got to pack that LNC. Let's go. Oh. Let's end it. You know what? I. <laughs> that's zero and nine people. Zero and nine. Oh, and the Moody Center's awesome. So that might be an eternal dub, but. I just – you can't even go back and be like, beat you in the national championship, take that. What's Texas's response? <laughs> we weren't even supposed to be there. <laughs> what? That's what I get. Oh, yeah, you beat us, but <laughs> we were an underdog. So? You still lost. Still got whooped. Got waxed. Uh, but, yeah, let's go OU women's hoops. Get it done. If Texas had women's gymnastics, I bet they would have been beaten by K.J. Kinley. No doubt. Would have so beat they, the snot yeah. out of them. You're, you're, you're uh, tapping out on our power sports right now. Uh, real quick, before I get to softball, we're going to spend a lot of time on what happened yesterday. Uh, I thought, you know, baseball lost two of three, but Toby hit it on the head. To me, the most encouraging thing from this weekend, in a team that we know it's going to take a while for them to come together this year and to mesh a bit, uh, I, I'm uber excited, Josh, about the crowds that were out there this week, and I hope it uh, continues because – and you had beautiful weather. We were, we were hearing from people checking in on the berm all weekend long on the, on the Sooner third inning shout-outs. It, it, it was really fun on the softball broadcast. And, of course, a tough loss on the road for the men's hoops team and an incredible win on the road for the women's basketball team. So I, I, I've got all that coming up here on the show today, but – I'm not going to lie, man. My, I am enamored, enamored with this sudden conversation about a Pac-12, Big 12 merger. And I don't know how to feel about it. In fact, I'm not going to lie, and I don't think Red Dirt would mind me saying this, but when I started seeing the buzz building, he was one of the first people I reached out to. I was like, bro, you buying any of this? Or, ma'am, sorry, I don't know. Um, because there's two, to me, very incognito Twitter accounts that have been all over this. And now Pete Thamel is reporting it as a possibility. So, re- real quick, before we get to softball, um, it's been most of the show on it, and your Air Comfort Solutions text at 405-651-3439. Josh, are you familiar at all with the Twitter account at M-H-V-E-R-3? No, I don't okay. think so. I, I was not familiar with this Twitter account until late 
last week. And it's it's got about 16,000 followers. Pretty good. Pretty good. Um, for a complete and total incognito account. And it's based, allegedly, out of Charleston, West Virginia. It's, it's hit on several key quote-unquote reports. Now, the other one that's really good at this is Red Dirt Sports. And if you guys don't follow them, you're crazy because they've been – that's a really smart account when it comes to the TV rights and, and the media rights and things of that nature. Whomever runs that, they know their ass, and, I, and I've been impressed with it so far. But so does this dude. Our, 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 our do that. And here's, here's what they've tweeted just over the last couple of hours since last night. Per my source, Brett Yormark spoke with George Klyvkoff Sunday. They're having a virtual meeting today with media consultants about the possibility of a Big 12 Pac 12 merger. The source doesn't think it will happen but said that was just his opinion that it won't happen, not based on anything concrete. Apparently, Klyvkoff intimated that Cal and Stanford have refused to vote yes on any expansion candidates and have signaled they would exit the conference if a merger were voted on, but not vote no on the merger, simply abstain. They got kind of like what OU in Texas did. But uh, can I pause there real quick? Where would Cal and Stanford go, Josh, if they're like, hey, we're not voting on any candidates. We'll, uh, we'll exit the conference. I mean, where are you going? Where are you going? More on this real quick. Arizona schools, according to this Twitter account, are also voting no currently on expansion. But if a merger falls through, George Klyvkoff apparently has a verbal agreement from them that they would vote yes on San Diego State and SMU. The Arizona schools have told the Big 12 that they will see what the final offer is for an expanded Pac-12 before making a decision on moving conferences. If a merger fails to gain traction and Pac-12 schools do start to leave, the feeling is the Arizona schools would jump first, which would trigger at least one more, possibly two departures. And if the money comes in as low as it's been rumored for the Pac-12, more than four could bolt. So there, there's a lot to unpack there. And, and I've, I've had this debate quite a bit with people on, hey, once Oklahoma makes the move to the SEC, do you, do you care about what happens with the Big 12? And, and there's been, you know, a split. Like there's 50-50s. Ah, oh, you're home of Sooner fans. I don't care. What happens? And then there's the other faction like, listen, I'm, I, I watch all of college football and all of it affects everybody. But I guess for me, Josh, my mind, my mind can't comprehend how a merger would work, right? Like, what would that look like? Scheduling? Wouldn't it still just be two separate conferences? You telling me that, you know, Arizona's going to travel to play a conference game in Morgantown, West Virginia and hoops? Uh, then slide back to what a Cincinnati game the next night. I, I just can't buy it. But there's apparently a March 7th meeting coming up. And the first issue will be whether or not the Big 12 extan- expands with a couple of basketball schools. And then maybe at that point, move forward on whatever the new look Big 12 is going to look like. What do you think? You buying any of it? 
Well, I'm definitely buying all of it that it's a possibility, no doubt. And the Cal Stanford angle to all of this is interesting. Do they think that they're the top two candidates for the Big Ten? I, if they're sitting there saying, hey, if you guys start talking about expansion, we're out. I mean, that has to be the way they're thinking then, right? The, they're both AAU members, obviously, Correct. right? Yeah, Correct. so that would, that would put them toward the, the, the front of the line for the Big Ten if and when the Big Ten uh, has a new commissioner that thinks that expansion is a route that they're interested in pursuing. Mm. Just, you know, it's, it's – I think for a lot of people, a little bit of a tired topic when we get into conference expansion and what it's going to look like. But, you know, I'm fascinated because I've firmly been of the belief that a 10-team Pac-12 – with an expanded playoff, and let's say you add San Diego State and SMU or whomever, and you get to 12. I mean, there's still a seat at the table in the playoffs. And with the way that Dan Lanning is recruiting at Oregon and kind of the trajectory that Washington is on, I know USC is kind of a rocket ship right now, the defending Heisman Trophy winner, and with what Lincoln's doing out there and UCLA stabilizing their leaving. But, I mean, look what Clemson's success has done for the ACC. I mean, they've got the worst media rights deal, and no one's freaking out about anyone leaving because they, they were dumb enough to sign it at the time, and Clemson's winning in football, even though they've had a couple down years. Suddenly, you start getting an Oregon team that's winning some games and maybe in that playoff and making some noise. I mean, it can work wonders for your conference as a whole, right? So, I don't know. It's just It was a fascinating story that hit the inbox this morning. Pete Thamel has an article about it right now, but I I think the conference realignment conversation, Josh, I think we're going to be ratcheting that back up quite a bit come uh, May and June this summer. Well, not sooner. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like in the next three weeks, we might have some serious dominoes that could drop just based on the fact that they're, they're meeting that quickly. So if you guys want to jump in on that, the Air Comfort Solutions text line is there for you. 405-651-3439. All right, 17 past the hour of 9 a.m. on a Monday morning. With Josh Helmer, I'm Chris Plank. It's the Plank Show right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. So let's live up to our name. When we come back, what went wrong in Waco and, and what did we learn? Plus, Sooners need a bounce back in a big way on the men's hoop side of things. We'll talk about the fight, the charge, the challenge going forward for the men's basketball team right here on The Ref. All right, welcome back into the show. It's the Plank Show right here on The Ref with Josh Helmer. I'm Chris Plank. Did you get to follow much of the Sooner softball this weekend, Josh? Definitely was following along yesterday. Good, good, good. Fortunately, that was the probably toughest day to follow along. It was a blast Friday and Saturday. It was, it was a blast. I mean, probably the, everything was coming together on Thursday, and I'm not even lying, right? We, uh, um, we had a good show on Thursday out at Cavens. I, uh, something else had popped up on Thursday last second that I was – oh, uh, the Brent Venables press conference uh, popped up on, on Thursday, and it was great, right, because it gave us something to talk about on Friday's show, and it was, it was really good, right, to just sit there on Thursday and talk college football and, and – and, hear from all the newcomers and that kind of resonated throughout the weekend um made the best time i've ever made getting to waco josh 
Best time ever. Didn't even have to use the uh, express lane, if you will. Didn't have to use the turnpike shortcut, which is still in Fort Worth the most frustrating thing because, as Teddy pointed out, they build this beautiful express lane that flies you through traffic in TCU, and then they're like, let's extend this thing. Let's make this bigger. So they tore it all up again. It's like, oh, we're going to start here and work back south a little bit more. Yeah, I guess I'd be north. Excuse me. But anyway, it was a great day. Friday, Sooners win. Game gets done in perfect time for me. Um, Saturday, Sooners sweep two. Got to watch the uh, Army Cadets play, meet some parents. It was really cool for me. Um, Put 22 on the board. Jocelyn Erickson had eight runs batted in and 11 RBI on the two day. It was like literally everything was, was perfect on this weekend. And then, I don't know, man, maybe it's my fault because I did something out of character on Saturday night, Josh. I went and I got fast food after the game. And um, I went and got In-N-Out Burger. I'm here to tell you right now, it was really good. Double-double, fries animal style. Oh. But we lost that next day. Now, full disclosure, uh, when we're on the road, I know it doesn't seem that way, but I I try to eat healthy because there's a lot of food always around. Uh, So I eat more than I normally do. But I don't eat fast food. I don't go out. I mean, my idea... My idea of fast food when I'm on the road is like a, a bag of peanuts or the spicy uh, hot nuts. I'm not a big fast food guy. So I'm going to take the L on this one because had I not chose the selfish route and ate that double-double, which was incredible. Not as good as a Whataburger, but incredible. Um, they might have won the game on Sunday. So Sooner fans, point your angst towards me and breaking, I guess, what you would say is habit and eating fast food on the road Saturday. But I think more specifically, Josh, what you look at is a a team that maybe got a good little wake-up call yesterday, right? Um, I know Patty Gasso heading into the weekend. I wrote this down. And, oh, my gosh, I hope I have the right notebook right now. Yeah, here we go. Uh, Patty had talked, Coach Gasso had talked about there were Four things that she wanted to see from this team this weekend. Growth and improvement, attention to detail, appreciation, and dominance. And through three games, they were clicking on all of them, right? All of them. But, you know, Orm, right when they started to really figure her out, they hit her hard all day. Just couldn't find a gap. Um, They hit Orm hard. But she was on a pitch count, and – Benford came in, and they've they've lit up Benford. Leah Benford, I mean, bless her heart, when she steps in the circle against Oklahoma, 9.9 out of 10 times, I mean, they have have humbled her. I mean, they have hit her hard. They've they've run-ruled Baylor three of their previous four games heading into last season or heading into uh, yesterday. And when Benford came in the game, I was like, party's on. But they really struggled with the off-speed. And, you know, JT Gasso is the smartest hitting coach in the game, so he's going to get it figured out. But it just didn't seem like they had really good at-bats all day yesterday. And, you know, anyone that tries to point a finger at Jordy Ball, Josh, it was one bad half inning, and maybe more specifically, one pitch. Baylor had four hits in the game. Three of the four hits came 
in what was that, the third inning, whenever they took the four to one lead and the three run home run. It was just I don't know, for a weekend that seemed to be vibing and everything was going real well, suddenly it was like Saturday night just something kind of changed in the and, and the feel was a little bit different. And the feel was a little bit off. And just nothing nothing seemed right when we got to the ballpark on Sunday. You know, you were delayed an hour. And I'm not making excuses. I'm just trying to give you that, that perspective that I saw. And, you know, I, I think what did was, was the first inning when Jada bounced the first ball off the, the, the wall. That might have been, uh, been the third inning. You know, uh, I just – you, you kind of felt like things were going to be okay because they loaded the bases – um, in the first inning, they couldn't score, but you're like, they already loaded the bases, and it took a ground out, you know, to, to get them out of the inning. But I, I just never really seemed to click, and I, I, I personally, I think they're going to be better for it. I think they're going to be better for it. And, you know, that's always the case. I, I don't know if you guys have taken the time. I, I just pulled it up to see Coach Casso's comments. She'll, I'm sure she'll join us this week if her schedule permits, but – I'm not here ready to, to freak out about anything based on a loss to a Baylor team that, I mean, on their home field, they played a pretty good game. Now, their catcher is as annoying as all get out. And bless her heart, I don't know if she can't throw the ball back to the circle or if it's just a nervous habit. But I'm really excited to get an opportunity to go back down there in April and see how the team responds. But more specifically, and in the short term, Josh, you can't sit here and – cry in your oatmeal or anything of that nature because you got big games coming up this weekend huge games right everyone looks to Sunday and when Oklahoma takes on UCLA on Sunday but you got to go out there and you've got to deal with a Cal State Fullerton team that has some decent wins already they beat Cal earlier they beat Ole Miss Um, they have a win over Tennessee this Cal State Fullerton you've got to they shut out Liberty. You got to deal with Texas A&M, who has played some fairly good games. Utah. Utah lost on a walk-off to LSU, and they got beat 2-1. to one. And, oh, yeah, by the way, they've got DJ and, and Paige Parker. And th- did I mention UCLA coming up on Sunday? So there'll be plenty of time to get right before Baylor, but I'm so excited, Josh, to see how this team responds this weekend. Well, the historical response has been – a pretty resounding one. And obviously you go out and take care of business this next weekend at the uh, Mary Nutter collegiate invitational and cap it with a convincing win over UCLA. And this, this Baylor uh, outing can quickly be forgotten. I kind of like this from Bobby in broken arrow. Is it just this easy to explain one bad inning out of Jordy missed out on timely hitting? They said uh, due to young players or transfers, not being used to being in that position. Unfortunately, it was uh, Grace Lyons on three different occasions yeah. that, that didn't deliver for you yesterday. So the second part of that doesn't necessarily ring true. But the rest of it, yeah, I mean, let, let's see here if there's anything long-term with Jordy. But I'm going to side on the piece of the equation to where it's probably, yes, just one I, bad inning. I thought it was a great weekend for Jordy. I thought it was a great weekend. And, you know, I, 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 sometimes, I sometimes on the broadcast, like, will catch myself – saying, oh, that was, you know, tough, tough inning for Jordy. And you're like, she gave up a hit. <laughs> you know, uh, rough inning. She, uh, she walked a batter, got stranded at second. You're like, that is what an unfair level of expectation you're putting on her. But that's how great she's been. Um, uh, someone was mad at me on Twitter.com 
I don't think they were mad. It's just, hey, it, I kept saying she came off a tough outing against Washington. And they're like, oh, stop the Jordy slander. I'm like, it was a tough outing, man. I mean, it was one of two times when she's 100% healthy that she's been taken out of a game twice in her career. So that's why whenever you have a, was it just a, what, what, like what Bobby said, don't read too much into it, don't freak out. Yeah, I mean, I, I know that it falls on deaf ears in the preseason, and I completely understand why. But anyone that was thinking undefeated, I mean, we tried to tell you, it's possible, but it's going to be really hard with this schedule that Oklahoma is playing. And nobody looked at this weekend as a weekend where they thought, oh, you would lose. But I, I also don't think anyone anticipated that kind of spunk from Glenn Moore's team. They really played well. And, you know, I, I got to be honest with you. I was really proud. I, sent, I was sending a text to I – I was asking Jackie Wentz what she was getting on her timeline. And I didn't see anyone freaking out. You know, I haven't I, – I haven't seen anyone here on the Air Comfort Solutions text line this morning. It's like, oh, my gosh, what's going on here? I think, I think everyone realizes that, hey, it's the second series of the season. And they might fall from number one. But honestly, who cares who's number one in February? And as long as they don't let this one game beat them twice, they're, they're going to be okay. I mean, listen, when you win a national championship and you roll through a season like Oklahoma did last year, no one remembers the two-to-one Sunday win over Utah whenever it took maybe a pretty fortunate call to ensure that we're not playing extra innings right no one no one remembers that game no one remembers the uh, three to one win over Baylor when you went to the bottom of the seventh inning down one zero and it took a three run walk off home run to beat them no one remembers the two zip game against UAB right they and, and it's because in the grand scheme of things it's how you respond to them that matters. It's not the losses. I mean, Josh, whenever, whenever Oklahoma beat Iowa State 6-4 to four last year um, on April 22nd, does anyone ever talk about that? No. Talk about winning a national championship. No one talks about even losing Oklahoma State in the, in the stinking Big 12 championship game. So, to me, they're going to be fine. I, there, there's two kind of maybe areas that are a little bit concerning to me right now let me ask you this is there an area that's concerning to you is there anything that when you're watching like that kind of bothers me a little bit not necessarily I I need to see more Uh, Jordy I think you know I'd like to see a extended series of weeks where she doesn't really get touched up at all so I'm mildly attentive to the fact that I, I don't feel like she's been herself to start this season entirely. I completely agree. Completely agree. But that's also that moment where, like I was just talking about, uh, we hold her to probably an unfair expectation. And, oh, by the way, she's coming off a major injury. Sure. Which, uh, as and I say major injury, you know, she was somehow able to rehab and be ready for the World Series Championship Series. But from the limited amount of time that I've been able to spend talking to Jordy. Jordy, I mean, I say this a lot about her, and I know it's 935, and I know we've got a break, but, Josh, I don't know if I've ever seen anyone that intense and focused 
at that age um, and that kind of grounded at that age in a long time. I mean, it's, it's the job. It's, it's school. It's your workout. It's your pitching. It's your hitting. It's the game. I mean, she is all about it. She has a routine, and she sticks to it. But in the limited amount of time I've been able to get to know her, I don't think she'd experienced anything like she did last year. And sometimes, you know, in, in talking to Kinsey Hansen, we've learned a lot. There's a mental side to it. So um, she, she was incredible this weekend, had one bad half inning. That was it. That was it. But I'm with you. I, I can understand why people might be, ooh, everything okay? She's going to be fine. But let, let me get to the two things that are a little bit worrisome to me and nothing long-term, just, all right, let's, let's see what this is going to look like. And, oh, by the way, they're without one of their best hitters. Now, I know this is an incredibly deep lineup, and you replace Kinsey Hansen behind the plate with the all-time leader in home runs in Texas A&M history. But Kinsey Hansen makes a difference, and we expect her to be back this weekend. But uh, we're talking some Sooner softball uh, after a tough loss to Baylor. We'll go more in-depth next and your text right here on The Ref. I don't know if this is a compliment or not, but um, the 405 writes, after listening to your explanation about Jordy's bad half inning, can you speak in my wake on my behalf? I, I think that's a compliment. If not, explain yourself. It, one bad half inning. We're talking about one half inning. We're talking about half an inning. I don't even know if I can turn that into practice. One half inning. To this day. To this day. Um, I got to watch out. I'll blow my voice out. Um, I think I said four hits and three of them in that inning. It was five hits and four of them in that inning. One mistake. Govan made her pay. And then had the only other hit that came in the bottom of the sixth inning. Or, yeah, that was it. She, she had the home run in the third, Josh. And then Jordy Ball retired eight straight batters. And then she came up in the, the sixth and got a base hit. That was it. That was it. But, again, we expect shutouts. We expect 10 strikeout performances. So, everyone's going to be a little disappointed. But someone caught on to it. And this was from the 405. Is Sydney Sanders hurt? She looks nothing like the hitter she was during the battle series last fall and at ASU last year. Well, um, I would say this. She's not hurt. She, she's not hurt at all. They're, they're healthy outside of maybe um, Hannah Core, who didn't suit up this week. Kenzie Hansen's coming back. Looks like Quincy Lilio is, is 100% after some preseason concerns. So this is about as, as healthy as they're going to be. But that was – when I was thinking about a couple of things that maybe I, I saw as concerning. You know, Sid Sanders had a really – Really good game against SFA. They're not Stephen F. Austin anymore, Josh. SFA. She went two for three in that game, drove in a run, um, you know, had a couple of RBI against Army. So she, she, was, she was much better against the Lady Jacks. But she just doesn't look comfortable at the plate. She looks fine at the field. She's got a great personality, so she's meshing with her teammates. I think Jordy Ball is, is her roommate, so she's got, she's got somebody that is on it, that's around her 24-7. Um, but I don't know. It, it, it's, you know, I was kind of watching her a little bit in batting practice and, and kind of what she was – and she was going through some things. And then, you know, you, you see maybe just that little lack of confidence at the plate. And when someone comes in 
and they win the damn battle series, right? They, they win all the points. You kind of expect them just to be a rock star right away. And that's tough. And, and it's still, it's a learning process for Sid. So I'm not panicking by any stretch of the imagination on anything, but I, that, that was a good catch. I, I thought Sidney Sanders, you know, it, she was just, what, uh, one for nine over the first three games, had a hit against Washington. You know, no one could get a feel on Longwood because her damn pitcher couldn't throw a strike, and then she walked 11 people. But it just that was a little bit, little bit un, unsettling maybe is a good term. But it's also, Josh, it's a situation where, hey, we're, we're still working a lot of pieces in, and it's going to take some time. And, oh, yeah, by the way, one of your biggest pieces isn't, isn't there yet in Kinsey Hansen. This week, we think, for Kinsey? Yes. I don't know if she'll catch yet, but absolutely this week she's, she's going to be with him. Now, the other part of this week, Josh, is so have you happened? Well, I, I doubt you have, and I only did because the great Paul Rocha pointed out to me, but I've never been to Palm Springs for the Marionetter Classic when weather is an issue. Never. We've, I don't even think we've had a rain delay a wind delay. Now, we, we started to land one time, touched the runway, and had to pull back up, and your boy <laughs> went into a straight-up panic attack. But, I mean, outside of that, it's never been a weather issue. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, 80% chance of rain, 80% chance of rain, 90% chance of rain. And let's remember, these aren't like Big 12, Pac-12, ACC, SEC fields. This is a park in Cathedral City, California, that doesn't have tarps. So, you know, you start thinking about this week, and even I wonder, are we going out there just to sit around and watch it rain and get rained out uh, and only end up playing one game? So I think it's going to be interesting to see kind of how that shakes out going ahead this weekend. But to your original point, yes, that, that seems to be the plan that Kinsey would be back this weekend, and she's going to make a big difference for him. There's nothing in the way of a contingency plan? Not that I know of yet. Now, I say this with peace and love, Josh Helmer, and I know it's going to make someone mad. When I, I remember, you know, over the years, just the, the facility itself. I mean, it's, you know, it's got some growing up to do. Hey, it, it's really cool, right, at its core. It's no doubt. really cool, right? Um, it's... It's got, like, the Yankee Stadium backdrop and the Wrigley Field backdrop, and, and there's a green monster over there, but it's literally like a, like a cardboard cutout of it. I mean, it's not like you're walking into a makeshift stadium. It's, you know, with fake fans painted on there, and it's even the old Yankee Stadium, not the new Yankee Stadium. And I haven't known the people at the Mary Nutter to be the most forward-thinking people. Um, kind of like the Big 12. My big knock on the Big 12 was it was always reactive, not proactive. It would probably take someone saying, hey, you're going to have to do something because you're not going to get to play one damn game this weekend if you don't figure out a contingency plan. And I think that there might be some within that group that would say, yeah, we'll see how it plays out. I, I feel pretty good about things. So I I hope that there's meetings and conversations, Josh, going on right now because you know hey this isn't on espn it's a flow sports weekend but it's a big weekend for espn now because 
This is where they get all their headshots and where they get all their one-on-ones. You get all those little vignettes that you see during the World Series. They film all of them this weekend at Palm Springs. So, oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, they did some of it, a lot of it down at St. Peter Clearwater because they have a crew there. But, um, yeah, I'd, I'm intrigued to see exactly, exactly what it looks like weather-wise and how they end up trying to shift the schedule all this week because it's going to be a problem. Yeah, that's not good to hear. That's not good to hear. You hear that 80% figure is a little freaky. All right, um, some Air Comfort Solutions text, 405-651-3439. I agree with Camo Sooner, who writes, it's early, she's patty, they're fine. I agree. Um, the 806, unfortunately, Jordy's bad inning at the same time of a couple of defensive errors by fielders too, right? Well, I don't know if any of them actually got ruled an error. But you are, you are correct. I mean, there was um, – you, you got leadoff single from – I'll go just go back through it real quick. Leadoff single from Pylon. Um, they gave Wilson the bunt single when she should have been thrown out at first. Right? That was Brito charging like the slightest bobble. But it's a play that you make. Right? It's a play that, you know, 9.9 out of 10 times you make. So she reaches, she's fast, she steals second, and you're stuck with second and third. So, yeah, it's a, it's a good point. You know, at the very least, you know, it should be second base with two outs, and, you know, you're, you're facing Tobin to potentially end the inning, but unfortunately for the Sooners, it, it didn't work out that way. Good catch. Um, this is a good question, I think. Um, is our depth hurting us? It looks like we are playing tight, not having fun, especially the transfers. Oh, I, 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 would, I would push back a little bit. I think they're having a blast. I think it's a team that's having a lot of fun together. I think they went up against a pitcher that got hot, and they couldn't figure her out. And that hasn't been the case with Aaliyah Benford against OU. So I, I can understand where you would think that. But it's wild. It's wild. Um, this is a good point from Colonel Sooner, too. Plank, I love you guys. Can you please clarify the Baylor comment? They split the Baylor catcher comment. Yeah, this is good. Thank you for pointing this out, Colonel Sooner. They split catcher duty at Baylor for some idiotic reason, and it was Collasso's catching, uh, or at least impersonating the catcher. Their best catcher is the pride of Carl Albert High School, Zadie Lavalley. Boomer, absolutely. And thank you for that clarification. And shout out to Tim Lavalley, who I met, and I promised, like, listen, man, I'll come catch up after the game. Well, Tim, I didn't expect Oklahoma to lose. So I'm not going to lie, man. I did the Irish exit. I was, I was peaced out. <laughs> but At least you're honest about it. But, I mean, yeah, listen, I, I usually go try to find, like, the Lions family, and if, if Nacio is there and – and give all my love because I love the parents, man. Um, but, yeah, I was out. I was, I was fine in my car. I don't even think I got to say bye to coach. But, yeah, no, no, no. Zadie LaValle is a much better catcher. That Coyasos young lady, I don't, I, I, I don't know what's going on there. I have no clue. But it was very, very weird. And shout out to Tim, diehard listener of The Ref. We appreciate it. All right, um, quick break. A lot of softball texts. We'll get to them next right here on the Home Sooner Fans. So I do have two gifts for you on the show today, Josh. 
Have you have you read the FCC or the letters to the Kansas City Star from the angry Chief fans? No. About the 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 parade. Huh. Uh-uh. Okay, okay. They're upset about it. Yes. You want to guess why? I don't know because people were drunk and there were yeah. a lot of people. <laughs> yes. So I'm gonna I'm gonna break. I've got that for you coming up in the ten o'clock hour. Also, um, I I thought again. Maybe I'm someone who anymore it doesn't take a lot to impress, but I thought if there is one thing that people have knocked this OU basketball team for in the past, the men's team, it's it looks like that effort is lacking. I know we've seen quite a bit at times in the Air Comfort Solutions text line and in the calls to the ref and in <laughs> Twitter, which, of course, is real live. But I thought that team fought hard, man. Boy. How close was that play? You, Sam, Sam, I thought he had it. I thought we were watching. Our game got done just in time to start watching like midway. through our, our Midway. Well, yeah, about 10 minutes to go in the second half. So Pat and I and, and, and Peyton were all able to sit there and watch the second half and the overtime and listening to Toby. We got the, we got the radio, the, my phone synced up with the ESPN, and it was great, man. It was great until the end. How close? When you look back, I mean, is it a shot should have made? Is it good defense? How do you look at that final play in the paint? I don't know that I can say that it's a shot he should have made. It's a shot he would have liked him to make, but I think he had to, I mean, he had to release it with like four tenths of a second left. So, you know, the rushing it factor gives me a little bit more to where I'm not going to rip Godwin for not making it. I kind of wish they had shot a three there, but hindsight being 2020. When we come back, best of the air comfort solutions text line and you know we still have more fallout we still have more to get to from brent venables meeting with the media on thursday it's all coming up on a monday edition of the plank show right here on the ref